a passage that uh, David chose and said, this, this should really be our focus for the day. You're having a merry year, am I right? The year of merry in the church. A wonderful reflection on just not being the, the busy people of the culture around us, but the, 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 the focused and quiet in heart people of God. So here in Mark chapter 6 we read, uh, verse 30 I'm reading from, the apostles gathered around Jesus and reported to him all they had done and taught. Then, because so many people were coming and going, that they did not even have a chance to eat, he said to them, come with me by yourselves to a quiet place and get some rest. So they went away by themselves in a boat to a solitary place, but many who saw them, saw them leaving, recognized them and ran on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. When Jesus landed and saw a large crowd, he had compassion on them because they, they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. This is the passage I'd like to uh, invite you to reflect on for a little bit. And we're going to look at lots of other scripture and, and, and re re uh, relating those scriptures to this theme. But in this passage, there is the wonderful invitation of Jesus and then the very real interruption of life. So Jesus says, it's time to have some rest. Let's come away by, uh, by yourselves. Let's, let's, let's be together and be refreshed. You need food. You need, you need to uh, uh, connect with each other. You need to disconnect from the world. And then as soon as they arrive at their destination, there's a crowd of people. Jesus is moved with compassion. He begins to teach. So what happened in this passage? We started with an invitation to rest. We end up with more activity and busyness. And doesn't that seem like an experience that we have all had? Where we know we should rest more. And we know there should be a break. And here we are uh, engaged again. Uh, I want to talk this morning a little bit about the theme of rest and the theme of uh, ministry and mission. And then this afternoon, we're going to do more of a workshop session. Uh, we're, we're going to uh, have, have a time to think together about applying some of these ideas. What are some personal decisions I can make to actually travel differently? And uh, uh, we're going to have a panel conversation in the last half. So uh, Sally is going to invite some of you to come and just form a panel, and we'll have a conversation to put some of these ideas into practice. So when she asks you, you say yes, okay? Uh, if you think you really have something to offer, you, you go to her. That'll make her job easier. Because it's good to hear from each other. A lot of wisdom in our lives as we follow Jesus. McDonald's has a lead measure. You know McDonald's, the uh, hamburger uh, store? There's, there's one everywhere. Is there one in Walga? How many? Yeah, they're everywhere. They're everywhere. They have a lead measure in their world. Uh, lots of statistics, lots of measuring and numbers and, and analyzing, but there is one statistic that they pay attention to for every McDonald's store. Could you guess what it is? It's the Happy Meal. How many Happy Meals were sold at that store? Now, the Happy Meal is the, 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 the package for kids, usually a toy in there, and the reason they pay attention to Happy Meal numbers 
is because that is a lead measure for the health of everything else in the store. If they're selling Happy Meals, they're bringing in families. If they're bringing in families, that's multiple sales for each visit. And if they're bringing in families, bringing in children, children will bring them back. So when they sell lots of Happy Meals, all kinds of things are good. They look at everything else, you know, they've got all these spreadsheets of numbers, but they pay attention to Happy Meals. Now, as a follower of Jesus, what's your lead measure? What do you pay attention to? What's the thing that you can, you can kind of just lean back, think, pray, reflect, and, and take a look at that area of your life, and it will tell you about health in your Christian walk and kind of a wider picture? Well, I want to suggest a lead measure today. And the lead measure that I want to suggest is rest rest. How you are traveling with rest is going, to, is going to give you insight on a whole lot of things in your spiritual life. I want this morning to share with you uh, five um, things about, about rest. So, five um, declarations, five declarations about rest. Now, when I speak of rest, I, I'm speaking uh, specifically about disciples' rest, uh, the kind of rest that Jesus had in mind when he invited the disciples to come away with him. And so, it, it's, a, it's an idea of rest that it's not just, I'm exhausted, I need to flop and, and you know, just kind of, kind of, there is that. But the rest that the Scripture calls us to is deeper and wider and richer and more wonderful. It has something to do with being in the game as well as being after the game. It has something to do with the, 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 the wonder and beauty of the way we have been created and what God wants for us. So here's my first declaration. Five declarations about rest and five insights about how to practice it. All right? Here's the first declaration. Rest is extremely serious business to God. Rest is extremely serious business to God. Now, if I'm going to say that, I better back up the claim. Let me read to you from Exodus chapter 31. Now, you listen to this for just a minute because it might shock you. Observe the Sabbath because it is holy to you. Anyone who desecrates it is to be put to death. Those who do any work on this day must be cut off from the people. For six days, work is to be done. But the seventh day is a day of Sabbath rest, holy to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day is to be put to death. The Israelites are to observe the Sabbath, celebrating it for the generations to come as a lasting covenant. It will be a sign between me and the Israelites forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. Now that is an astonishing passage from several angles. Does it get your mind stirring just a bit? Let's just check your, your, your scriptural obedience at Wagga Baptist. When did you last stone someone for failure to rest? Almost sounds like a crazy idea. And here it is in the scriptures. Rest 
is an incredibly serious thing in God's eyes. How have we missed this? How have we not paid attention to this? That God wants us to rest. It's a very serious business with Him. Now, I know we live in the New Testament time, and I know that Jesus has, has re reinterpreted Sabbath and has brought us into this life of fullness and freedom in Christ. And it's worthwhile thinking uh, how Jesus has impacted our thinking about the Sabbath. He, he actually says in Mark's gospel, the Sabbath was made for man, not man for the Sabbath. Sabbath was made for people, not people for the Sabbath. So Jesus introduces flexibility to the Sabbath. Don't make it all about rules. If somebody, you know, if, you're, if, if your animal falls into a well, you rescue it. If it's a man with a withered hand, you bring healing in the synagogue. So he brings flexibility. And he reconnects it with the mission of God, and he refocuses it on people. Sabbath is not about rules, and it's not about religion. It's, it's for you. It is for me. And he reminds us that it's a gift from God. But interestingly, he does not revoke Sabbath. He does not say it is unimportant. He critiques the Jewish culture for the way that it has gotten lost in rules. And he, he, he gives us a new freedom in the way we live. But rest is still very serious to God. Very serious to God. Here's another, another interesting thing about the verses that I've read from Exodus. It, it, it says that God created in seven, six days. On the seventh day, he rested, and he was refreshed. Now, what does that mean? God was refreshed. He worked for six days, and he said, whoa, I'm exhausted. I've spent myself. Never worked so hard in all my life. Need to take a rest. That doesn't make any sense. That God somehow is, is confined by our limits and here's another interesting thing. Rest doesn't follow the curse and the fall and the brokenness of our creation. Rest isn't something that belongs to the, to the, the lostness of our world. Rest is there in the heart of God at, at the beginning. The only way I can make sense of that is, is rest is a choice that God makes. He doesn't fall exhausted in a heap at the end of six days. He creates, and it's beautiful, and he chooses rest because it is beautiful and something that he delights in. And refreshment is not just something that you get after you fight back against a broken creation. Refreshment is something that comes out of, out of walking with God and being with God. It's the culmination of creation. Isn't that a wonderful thought? That rest is serious to God, and it is a part of his created beauty. And he chooses it for himself, the God of all power and all capacity and all strength, who never sleeps or slumbers, the scripture tells us, chooses rest. Not because he needs it, not because he's going to run down, not because he's stuck in a, in, in a human form with its limitations, but because in all his glory, all his splendor, all his wonder, he chooses to rest and be refreshed. And then he says to those who bear his image, the human community, he says, you want to live well? Rest. And if you want a short life and die soon, then don't rest. And for my people, we'll make it very plain, very plain. You don't obey the Sabbath? That person is to be cut off from the community. 
that, person's, that person forfeits their life. And the principle is still true. If we don't engage in a, a real healthy kind of, kind of, whatever it was that God was doing at the end of, of, of six days of, of, of creation, whatever that was, that's what we need to learn and do and live in that place. So, there's the first declaration about rest. Rest is extremely serious to God. And we as the people of God who want to live out God's way need to take rest seriously. He actually says it'll be a sign to everybody that Israel and I have a covenant together. Do you know why it's a sign? Because most people don't rest. Most of the culture is stressed out, spent, exhausted, chasing after everything, fighting against a broken creation, thinking there is no hope and there is no rescue and there is no salvation. And here comes this message to us saying, real faith expresses itself in this beautiful rest. Here's my first insight. So, okay, good, Alan. God thinks rest is serious. I, I, I agree with you now. How, what do I do about this? How do I connect? Well, here's my first insight. Pray. Pray. If God is that serious about rest, tell him that you're finding it difficult and you need his help. Pray that God would teach you to rest, that he would help you to rest, that he would shift your thinking so that you can prioritize rest, that he would shift habits and patterns and confront issues and challenges in your life because there's not a single person in this room whom God is looking at right now and saying, I don't want you to rest. I want you to work harder. There's not a single person in this room for whom God has a passion that you exhaust yourself, that you spend yourself to the nth degree. So he says to his disciples, we've been working hard. There's a lot of people around. This is, this is just overwhelming. We haven't eaten for a long while. Let's come away. Let's come away. Let's get by ourselves and let's rest. That invitation from Jesus is always present. It is present here today. It is present in your life. And it is an invitation to which you must respond. Here's my second declaration. Second big idea about rest. Rest is an unmerited gift. Rest is an unmerited gift. It's an invitation. Jesus invites his disciples. We can easily read that with our sort of materialist kind of, kind of cultural eyes and think he's giving them good medical advice. You know, you should, you should sleep and eat and exercise and, and you'll be right. That advice is actually very good. If we sleep more, eat better, and move more, 95% of us would be in better shape. It's, it's the way God has created us. But he's actually doing more than that. He's actually inviting them to more than that. He's, I believe that Jesus is inviting them to take a posture of disconnection from this world, to detach in order to really see the wonder of God's blessings and his love. So, so rest, disciples rest, is a gift from God. Think about that for a moment. It's not just something that you, you do at the end of a, oh, I've been working hard and I'm exhausted and I deserve some rest. Well, maybe you do, maybe you don't. But whether you deserve it or not, it's a gift from God. So listen to these verses. Listen to Psalm 127, verse 2. In vain you rise early and stay up late 
toiling for food to eat, for He grants sleep to those He loves. Isn't that beautiful? So the next time you're on your pillow and your mind starts to wander and you start to think, oh, I should be doing something else, I should be busy, I should be, just remember that God gives sleep to those He loves. And just let that thought sit there. Doesn't mean you're lazy. I mean, you might be. Stop that. But in all probability, in this culture, in this context, in this world, uh, it's not that. It's other things. It's worldliness. It's the failure to recognize the profound gift that rest is. Here's another. Psalm 4, verse 8. In peace I will lie down and sleep, for you alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. You alone, Lord, make me dwell in safety. It's God's love. It's God's provisions that actually make our rest possible. So rest is an unmerited gift. And you will notice in the scriptures that God is proactive in this area, and we must be responsive. So God is proactive in trying to lead us into rest. Do you remember Psalm 23? The Lord is my shepherd. What does it say next? I shall not want. Wow. Is that true? It says it in the scriptures. And to lean in and, 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 and capture the wisdom of that and believe it and live by faith. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He refreshes my soul. That's a picture of a proactive God. Where does God want to lead you today? In a restful path. Where does God want to, want, want, want to take your life? On, on a journey that is refreshing and renewing. That is God's proactive intention. And so we must respond to that intention. Listen to the words of Matthew chapter 11. Come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I mean, aren't these wonderful scriptures? Aren't you feeling sleepy as I read them? Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. Now you can reverse that last sentence. If you're experiencing a yoke that is not easy and a burden that is very heavy, a question you could ask yourself is, is this a burden that God has given me, or did it come from somewhere else? Is this what God is asking me to bear, or have I taken on someone else's work? Have I taken into my soul something of the worry and challenge that actually is God's responsibility? He, he runs the universe. Have I somehow gotten my thinking confused, my, my activities, my choices uh, befuddled? In, in this verse from Matthew chapter 11, verses 28 and 30, there's an invitation for us to come. So come to me, and I will give you rest. So we need to respond. And there's an invitation to learn, to learn. You need to learn what kind of God I am. I'm gentle. I'm humble. Have you learned that? Have I learned that? Because, because if I don't learn that, I will find it very difficult to receive this unmerited gift. If my conviction is God is a slave driver, I mean, my word, he was busy for six days, he created a whole universe, how do I keep up with that? 
if, if that's the posture, if I somehow think that I live under a judgment of good works, it will wreck me. But if I can come to him and receive what he gives, if I can learn from him, and you will find rest. And then this idea of yoke and burden, and this is the part that I find most beautiful, is, is that there's actually some sense in which there can be rest and refreshing and renewal in the experience of being on mission with God. So the world only knows work and stop. Uh, but there is this sense of being, being caught up in all that God is doing and blessed on the way. Uh, why would you reject a gift like that? So this is an unmerited gift. Why would you reject a gift like that? And so here's my insight. So the second declaration, rest is an unmerited gift. The second insight, stop. Just stop. Just stop. It's a gift. God wants to give you rest. And so sometimes you just need to step off the wheel. Sometimes you need, you need to re negotiate the responsibilities that you have, but you just need to go to bed and sleep. You, you, you need to just sit and enjoy the beauty around you. Um, you live in a beautiful part of the world. Um, you know, make sure you look out the windscreen and notice as you drive back and forth, make sure you drink in the beauty and say thank you to God. And every once in a while, just park the car and get out. Just stop. Just look. Just be late for the next appointment. Apologize. Tell them you had heart trouble. <laughs> because you will if you don't stop. This wonderful rescue. Rest is very serious business for God. Rest is an unmerited gift. And third, rest is trust in action. Disciples' rest is trust in action. So we are called to be a people of faith. We are called to trust in the Lord Jesus Christ who brings us salvation, to trust in God who cares for us. And, and how do you trust? Well, a very practical expression of trust is, in fact, rest. It is a way that we say to God, very practically, you're in charge, I'm not. It is your world, it is not mine. I am your child, I am not my own. And when we learn these rhythms of rest, it's powerful. Let me give you three patterns from the Scripture, all right? So three different passages of, of Scripture where you see a pattern. And the first is the garden pattern. This is Mark chapter 4, verse 26 and following. Jesus said, this is what the kingdom of God is like. A man scatters seed on the ground. Night and day, whether he sleeps or gets up, the seed sprouts and grows, though he does not know how. All by itself, the soil produces grain. First the stalk, then the head, then the full kernel in the head. As soon as the grain is ripe, he puts the sickle to it because the harvest has come. So here's the, here's the first pattern, the garden pattern. Plant, sleep, harvest. That's the pattern. Now I know I've got farmers in front of me saying, it's not that easy. It's not that easy. And the reason is because you're in a broken world. You're trying to harvest a cursed ground. You're, 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 you're in an environment where it's fighting back. But we need always to remember that underneath that is the providence of God and the simple continuing truth 
that the seed grows and we know not how. That we scatter the seed, we sleep, and we harvest. That truth pervades. That is the way God has made this world, is that He is in control. He is the one who oversees and makes, makes possible uh, the, the provisions that sustain us. Uh, so so, so it, it, it will help us to recognize that rest is actually trust in action. It's actually trust in action. Plant, sleep, harvest. I know it's simplistic. I know we need to buy machinery. I know we need to go to market. I know we need to worry about the rains. It, it, it is overwhelming what we need to deal with. But do you see the point? You see the point Jesus is making? Is it underneath it all, genuinely, truly, plant, sleep, harvest? That's the pattern. And while we sleep, God cares for us. Here's another pattern. It's the, it's the pagan pattern. I'm reading from Matthew chapter 6. Picks up on this same idea in the parable from Mark's gospel. Look at the birds of the air. They do not sow or reap or store away in barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not much more valuable than they? Great thought. Great thought. See how the flowers of the field grow. They do not labor or spin, yet I tell you that even Solomon in all his splendor was not dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today, and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little trust? Rest is trust in action. Rest, rest is that ability to say, I can't fix it. I need to just, just put it in God's hands and walk in peace. I had to practice what I'm talking about this morning very, very practically in the last two days. So I've told you that I've put everything on my device here. So Friday night, I got my device, device out. I was in Sydney for some meetings. Um, had some time before I got into bed. And I'm just going to go over and really get myself prepared here for today. I don't know what I did, but I deleted the whole talk. Seriously, gone. And, and you, you know the feel, like that feeling when you just think, did I just wreck the whole crop? What, what, what happened there? Uh, so I had to practice what I'm preaching. And so I had a moment of gasp, panic, thank you, and, and, and then a kind of a moment of prayer, and then, a, then I started to make some notes and thought, all right, I need to do something. And, and then you know what I did? I went to bed. I thought, this, I can't do this now. I just need to go to bed. Here's the pagan pattern. Worry, 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 die. Okay? Listen to the rest of Matthew chapter 6. So, do not worry, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Worry, 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 die. Worry, 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 die. It's the pagan pattern. It's the pagan pattern. And this, this scripture says, if you behave like that, you're more like a pagan. We ought to stone you. Ooh. But if you, if you rest, you're actually practicing trust. You're actually living this different way. Now, these are not simplistic ideas. These are biting ideas, challenging ideas for us to actually put into place. But they're powerful ideas, aren't they? 
And it's helpful for us to just lean back and, and realize that rest is a lead measure in the Christian journey. If I, if I can do something about my patterns and my, you know, my, my, my lifestyle around rest, it actually helps so many aspects of my well-being. Let me give you the third, the manna, the manna pattern. So if you read in Exodus chapter 16 and Numbers chapter 11, you'll read the story of uh, manna in the wilderness. And you'll recall that God rescued his people from uh, their, their exile in, in, uh, uh, in Egypt, from their, their slavery. And he led them across the wilderness for 40 years. Phenomenal story. You need to go back and read all of that. Numbers and Exodus. Never, never shy away from those Old Testament books. When you come to all those lists of begats and begots, just skip it and, 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 and read the other stuff. And when you've got the stories embedded in your mind, then you can go back and read those genealogies and they'll be fun too. But you have to meet the family first. Once you've met the family, then it's really fun to reflect on the family tree. But you have to meet the family first. So read the stories. Don't beat yourself up and plow through all those boring bits. Read the interesting bits. And eventually you want to go back and get the whole thing. If you read the interesting bits, one of the interesting bits you'll find is this moment when they're out in the wilderness and they have no food and God says, don't you worry. Don't you worry, 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 die. I have this covered. I have this covered. And every day, manna falls from heaven. So here is the, the manna pa pattern. Wake up and gather. 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 Wake up and gather, gather. Wake up and rest. The story tells us that manna falls from the heavens every day. It's sweet. It's like coriander. And the people can go out and gather it up. And over 40 years, they learn lots of ways to cook it and knead it and, you know, e e eat it with Vegemite. And, and, and they make a meal of it. And, and there, there are times when they get quite disgusted with it. And that's another story. But this happens every day of the week except for one. This happens on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday. And it happens twice as much on Saturday. When they collect up their manna on Monday, it's good for Monday. If you store it away, when you come to Tuesday, there's worms in it. Gross as. God's provisions are for the day. He will look after you. He will look after us. He looks after birds. He clothes flowers. Why wouldn't he look after us? We can, so rest is trust in action. You can go to sleep and know that there'll be food in the morning. And I know we read Exodus 16 thinking, oh, if it could only be so easy. But that's the journey of faith. That's the journey of trust. That is what we are meant to lean into. It is the same God who cares for us. Then on Saturday, enough manna fell for people to collect. And Saturday manna was awesome. It had a two-day expiration date. It lasted through uh, they're, they're, actually, I've got that wrong. It started on Sunday, and Sabbath was, was, was uh, Saturday. I've made, it, I've made it Christian. I've made it Sunday. Um, it, they, they, it lasted through their Saturday Sabbath. What they collected up on Friday was two days' worth, and it lasted through their, their, their Saturday. So not only will God provide for your needs, God will provide for your rest. He, he will provide for your rest. He, he, will, he will make it possible. And these are the reasons why this becomes such a significant thing in Israel's story, that rest is going to be a marker, it will be a sign, it will be a, an, an evidence of the covenant, because the people of Israel will walk in such 
confident trust in their God. People will see it. They'll know it. It'll, it'll be evident. It's a way to live. It's a calling that is upon our lives. That's why Jesus said to his disciples, we need to get away and be by ourselves. Because if you don't figure out how to do this, it will cripple many aspects of our witness and of our life together in fellowship as the church. Here's the third insight. Establish rhythms. Establish rhythms. If you want to do rest well, you need to do some planning and you need to actually organize rhythms in your life. Uh, there will be families in the church that have young children, young families. It's one of the seasons when it's hardest of all to do this. When you have young children still at home and a thousand responsibilities, um, and often if you pay attention uh, in a church family, the younger families are exhausted. And that usually means that we then need to find ways to care for each other and find ways to spell off the responsibility. Sometimes we need to ask and offer and team up. So rest is not a solo flight activity. It actually takes a community to achieve rest. You actually need to work together to do this. And one of the reasons why our Western culture and our Australian culture is so exhausted is because we're so individual. I can do it. I can do it. We're like little children. I can do it. Leave me alone. Well, you can't. I can't. I need community. We need each other. We need to support and sustain each other. And we need to establish rhythms. I'll cover you this day. You cover me that day. I'll, I'll assist in your world. You assist in my world. And we can rest. We can rest. We can, we can get this right as we establish rhythms. All right, speeding up. The fourth declaration. Rest is the path to abundant living. Rest is the path to abundant living. I'm talking about rest as a lead measure. It's not the only thing you should measure. It's not the only thing you should pay attention to. To be completely disconnected from this world, in the world, but not of it. To be completely disconnected from the, the, the sort of frenetic pace and the sinful distractions and the, 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 the brokenness and, and become more and more attuned with God, uh, it, it will require a whole lifestyle. But rest is a lead measure. It's like a happy meal for McDonald's. Rest will tell you lots of things. Because if you think about some of the different areas in our lives, so if you think for a moment about purity, it is easier to embrace purity when you're rested. Most men if they're going to lean into pornography, do it when they are, it's the late part of the day, when they're feeling overwhelmed, exhausted, stressed, pressured, challenged, not respected. It happens in the times when the resources are down. Most women are likely to engage in gossip or, or, or fantasy when they are tired when they are on, low on reserves. But when we're rested and awake, we look at those behaviors and say, that, that's terrible. How, how, why would anybody, how could I have, what happened? Because rest is a healing thing. And when we let our, ourselves get overly tired, it leads to all of this other stuff. So one of the measures of complete detachment is our passion for purity. Our passion for purity in our, in our choices, in our habits, in our lives. Moral purity, that's what the early Christians were known for. 
And in our culture, with all of its confusion, we should be known for it too. And rest will feed that kind of moral purity, conversational purity, uh, relational purity, where our, our words build up and our interactions connect and build up. When are you most likely to bite someone's head off? When you're tired? When you're exhausted? When you're spent? And so rest feeds all these beautiful things in the life of the church. Here's another measure that you can watch and pay attention to because rest is the path to abundant living. Joy. How much joy do you have in, in your life? And a more, a more focused measure, how quickly can you reset joy? How quickly can you reset the joy of the Lord in your life after an issue? after something has gone wrong. It's not just the amount of joy, which is incredibly important and a great measure, but stuff happens. It doesn't matter how well planned your day is, how smart you are, how many resources you have, stuff will happen. And you find yourself having deleted your entire talk. How long does it take to reset joy? And the more tired you are, the harder it will be, the longer it will take to reset joy. This, this rest thing is so important to God. It's an unmerited gift. And it's something that will actually infuse life into you and feed the abundant life that you're called to live. And all of this feeds our witness. It feeds the way we serve and, and, and engage in community. It feeds our capacity to do ministry as we're going to see in the next talk, as we think about the way Jesus functioned as he met the crowds, the crazy crowds, and was able to serve them. Why? Because he operates out of this place of peace, of, of, of quiet, of connection with the Father, of walking in step with him, and of wonderful rest. The fourth insight, then, is to embrace accountability. Embrace accountability. Make yourself answerable. So to actually make rest a part of your life, um, who, who do you answer to? And, and that might be one of the actions you take at this retreat time, to, to connect with somebody and say, well, let's hold each other accountable. Let's help each other on this journey. You might set goals. You might reward yourself. Um, I find that journaling helps me personally, just writing thoughts down occasionally, and I can monitor how well I'm going. Here's the last declaration. We'll finish with this. Rest comes at the end. And the disciples of Jesus are living at the beginning of the end. So, six days creation, and then God rests. And we all know that after a good project, it's good to take a rest. And so we have a, an idea in our minds that somehow rest then must be, you know, it's the reward for, for hard work. But that's not the way the scriptures frame up rest at all. We're actually living on the seventh day. We're living in the context of rest. And for disciples of Jesus, we are living in the power of the resurrection. We are living in the new kingdom. We are living in this context of rest. So rest comes at the end. Here's the good news. We're at the end. We are living at the beginning of the end. We live in the end times. We live in this season in God's world where his kingdom is real. And that's why following Jesus should make us different from the culture around us. Hebrews chapter 4, there remains then a Sabbath rest for the people of God. For anyone who enters God's rest also rests from their works, just as God did from his. 
Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one will, be, will perish by following the example of disobedience of the children in the desert when they would not obey God. Fascinating, that Old Testament journey. It was a journey towards rest, towards the promised land, but it got profoundly delayed, you remember? 40 years of hard slog in the desert because of disobedience. People resisted, and they disobeyed by not trusting God. Here's the last insight. Foster positive self-talk. So speak God's truth into the mess of your life. Our self-talk tends to be talk that says, uh, well, somebody will ask you, are you busy? And we say, oh, yes, I'm busy. I have been playing a game in my life for the last year where I always answer, no, I'm not busy at all. Freaks people out, freaks people out. Because busy is a sign of important in our culture, and that's rubbish. That's absolute rubbish. The God of the universe is not busy, and he's important. So what is your self-talk? Do you tell yourself you're too busy to rest? Do you tell yourself you're exhausted? No, that needs to change. You need to tell yourself that you're a child of the king. You need to tell yourself that you belong to the creator of the universe who chooses to rest. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about these things. It's about changing that inward conversation in our heads. So, complete detachment. That's our first idea. And it's fostered and kind of stirred up with the lead measure of rest. Let me have a quick prayer. Thank you, God, for your word, which teaches us, inspires us, and challenges us. Lead us to a place of deep and meaningful, life-giving rest so that we can be completely detached from all the brokenness and sinfulness and frenetic pace of this world and engaged in your mission, in your love. In Jesus' name, amen.